From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Ariano. It's Thursday, April 9th. On March 28th, I read the following on my Facebook feed. Quote, Today at 9.18 a.m., my uncle, my Tio Carlos, a.k.a. Tio Kaling, lost his battle with COVID-19. The person who wrote that was my friend, Sonia Velez, a Bell resident and a senior administrative assistant at Long Beach City College. She's the first person I know personally with a loved one who passed away from the coronavirus pandemic. Sadly, there will be more. The city of Bell is just southeast of Los Angeles, a working-class town that's overwhelmingly Latino. Coronavirus has so far largely passed over Latinos in Los Angeles County. If you're looking at the numbers, records by the public health agency show the group comprises nearly half the county's population, but only 28% of deaths so far from COVID-19. Stats like that can unfortunately lull folks, though, into thinking they're going to be safe. I'm already hearing it from members of my own family that brag about it. And eh, no nos va a pegar la corona. And eh, uh, coronavirus isn't going to hit us. But the death of Sonia's uncle is a reminder that the virus can strike any of us. Sonia graciously agreed to talk about this and about her uncle on the podcast. Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. Sonia, mis más sentido pésame, my deepest condolences to you and your family. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Gustavo. Uh, talk to me about who your uncle was, where he was from, que hacía, all that stuff. Uh, my tío Kalin, we, we call him Kalin. He was born and raised in El Salvador, migrated to the United States in the 70s. He was an amazing man. You know, he was a devoted father, devoted uncle, very loving to his family. He was a grandfather. He was very involved in church. He used to uh, do body work on cars. Um, he just loved it. He had a passion for it. And then when he retired, he would pick up his grandkids uh, from elementary school, would take them to school in the morning, would pick them up because, you know, my cousins worked. Yeah. Um, my aunt had has a shop in the swap meet, so he would go and be with her. Um, um, people loved him. He was charismatic. He, even when you wanted to kill him, you always had to hug him. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so... <laughs> I'm sorry. No, um, no. He was just an overall beautiful individual. Beautiful individual who loved his family. And that's the so, only way that I can describe him. Yeah. So so how did he find out, or your family find out, that he had coronavirus at first? Did he exhibit any symptoms or como? So a couple of months ago, my uncle had back surgery. Um, really severe back surgery. He 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 had he wasn't he was getting numb from the waist down. His kids came about two weeks ago to see him. I was speaking to my cousin. Charlie, we call him Charlie. Um, yeah. He was saying that when he went to go visit, he was sleeping a lot. That he was sleeping a lot and that he complained about his back. Um, and that they all thought that it was because of his surgery. You know, these were kind of aches and pains. And that he complained about having a dry cough. And, and he uh, had to make a matecito, right? Yeah, the tea, yeah. 
the tea, uh, make them a tea. And so she did. And then come Friday, two weeks ago, my cousin Senya, his eldest daughter or his second eldest daughter, went to go visit him. And she said that he was delirious. Like he wasn't I... speaking right, that he was a little delirious and he wasn't making any sense. And so they called 911. Of course, by this time, they were we were already on quarantine. Yeah. So they wouldn't let him in, but that they started testing him. Where did they treat him if they if they didn't let him in? Where treated him for pneumonia because he had a fever and they said that he had pneumonia, um, but that they were doing all these tests and that they would get a result within a week. Then we found out I, by Monday that he did have it. How did the family react? I mean, by that point, everyone's under quarantine. You imagine that coronavirus is never going to impact your family and now it's hitting your tío Carlos. It was shocking. You don't know what to think, right? I panicked because I was like, my grandmother, my grandmother is 87 and my uncle and my grandmother are very close. And my grandmother also went to church with him. And so my grandmother has respiratory issues and has high blood pressure. And, And then my aunt goes and my aunt is a cancer survivor and she went to church. So I freaked because I was like, we need to count down the days of how many days they they haven't seen. They've seen each other. Are yeah. they, you know, you start panicking. You start thinking in so many different ways. Um, and then you come to the realization like, oh, shoot, my uncle has it. Oh, shoot, his body is not right. Is Is he going to be okay? And nobody could see him. Nobody can hold his hand. Nobody can give him a little bit of comfort. Um, he, he doesn't speak full English. You know, my, my uncle's in, he's an immigrant and he didn't get here until he was, I want to say in his twenties, he relied heavily on his, on his daughter Senya to like read and, uh, their paperwork. So nobody can be his advocate. It's hard because you can't, you can't zoom. You could barely FaceTime with them. You can't pray for him with him there. You could pray for him, but you can't hold his hand and pray for him. Um, and so all of these feelings, um, you're angry, you're sad, you're scared, you're freaked out. And, and at the end of the day, you can't do anything. This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. Were you able to have a conversation with him before he passed? No, I wasn't. The last time I spoke with my uncle, and I think it's because of life, right? You were working and everything. I want to say it was in about January. My parents went to go visit him. Because he was still recovering from back surgery. Recovering from back surgery, yeah. Um, The picture that I posted was back in October when he was going through stuff. I could tell he was was starting to look at uh, old um, photographs, and he sent that to me. And his words were, mira que tanto te quiere tu tío. <laughs> and he texted that to me. Yeah, look, look at how much your uncle loves you. Yeah. And so 
you know, you start looking at your old texts and you're like, when was the last time that I actually communicated with him, right? Like, and so that's also hard because, you know, you you love your family, but sometimes it's even hard in your day-to-day life to even have constant communication. And so you did, I didn't even get to say goodbye, Aye. you know? Um, <laughs> my mother wasn't able to say goodbye to him. And um, they always had a crazy relationship. They, my mom loved her brother. But you know, yeah. they like kind of challenged each other. So, so they were kind of feisty and my mom, but she went to go visit him and, and she just kind of was like, I wasn't even able to say bye. How, and his given family this, wasn't either. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the horrors of this disease is so many people pass away by themselves. I mean, the most you could do is maybe if they have a phone conversation, but towards the end, they can't even do that. So how is given that, how is your family mourning? Um... Uh, alone <laughs> we're mourning alone uh we weren't even able to go and um, give my grandmother a hug you know Aye. my grand my grandmother um she's so strong but i don't want to say my uncle was her favorite but they had this connection <laughs> a very yeah. deep connection um and so my grandmother wouldn't even eat a couple days before when he knew that she was he was in the hospital and she kept saying, like, somebody needs to tell me something, but we can't physically be there with her, you know? So you have to rely on a cell phone. And my aunt, who takes care of her, who has to stay six feet away to make sure that she doesn't give my grandmother anything. And yeah. um, every time I talk to my grandmother, she's like, estamos como cucarachas. <laughs> We're like cockroaches, yeah. We're like cockroaches in a house and we can't even get out. Oh, my aunt has it, you know, his wife. She has coronavirus. She has coronavirus. She's in the hospital too. And so imagine that you're a child and you can't even see your father die. You can't be there for your mother, not knowing if your mother is going to die of it. And at the same time, you're, you're mourning all of this. And so we're mourning in a very inhumane way. Given that this death is because of a public health crisis, does that make this pain even worse? Yes. It's frustrating because you take it for granted, right? And people just can't follow rules. And so I remember when when you reached out to me and you said, is there anything I can do? I said, please tell people to keep their asses at home and to take this serious, right? Yeah. Because that's the only way that I know that my grandmother is going to survive, you know, People aren't staying at home, but also people don't always have the luxury to do that. And it's also frustrating, you know? Yeah. Frustrating. Thank you so much for talking with me, Sonia. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for um, for doing what I asked and letting people know. Thanks to my friend Sonia Velez for sharing her uncle's story on this podcast. Carlos Lopez passed away on March 28th. He was 73 years old. That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave a message. Again, 213-986-5652 or email me, gustavo.arellano at latimes.com. You've been listening to Coronavirus in California, hosted by me, Gustavo Arellano. Our producers are Paige Heimson and Stan Lee. 
Our senior producer is Rena Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Epen. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special thanks to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schaff. We hope you're enjoying this podcast, created by the journalists at the LA Times. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe, because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe and see you tomorrow.